Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, we are first Sunday in February. So we're starting a new series. I want to read from Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 49, beginning in verse 14. Isaiah 49, verse 14. I was trying to get Pastor Craig's attention when he was reading that that great testimony, that email we got, to ask him if they attached a check to their email. But I, I I couldn't get his attention, but... Man, what a blessing. And, you know, I'm grateful that by God's grace we've passed a test like what he was reading about where we have served the body of Christ. We've served brothers and sisters. We've served people in their time here. Uh, And yet, if they had to move away or whatnot, we've blessed them. We've trusted the Lord in transition. And I know in due time God's going to bless this place, D.P. Woodstock with more leaders, more divine connections. He's going to astound us by the breath of His Spirit and divine connections. Isaiah 49 and verse 14, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. I want to minister today a message titled, Face the Wall. Will you say that with me? Face the Wall. Let me pray. Father, what an amazing, amazing reality that you have in your love and in your grace and in the good news of your plan reached us through your son, Jesus. And what a beautiful name Jesus is. For his name represents the reality that he is our savior. He is our deliverer. He is you, Father, drawn near to us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that now through your ministry here on the earth, you're taking the reality of the kingdom of God and the reality of the eternal word and applying it to hearts and minds. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break down and demolish walls that would try to stay built up in resistance to your goodness and to your love, to your gospel, to your will for our life. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, make much of Jesus. It's in His name I pray. Amen. We concluded last week our January series titled Overcome as we looked at the story of the nation of Israel facing the walls of Jericho. For this month of February, we are looking at the topic of relationships. With the conclusion of our last series and the kicking off of this new one, we find a correlation A correlation of dealing with the issues of both walls and our mouths. Walls 
and our mouths. If you remember, the nation of Israel, they were instructed by God to face the walls of Jericho by marching completely around them one time each day for six days. And then seven times on the seventh day. And as they faced the wall, they were to utter no words to themselves nor each other. Speaking of this, the writer of Hebrews in the New Covenant Scriptures states in Hebrews 11 and 30, By faith, everybody say faith. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Notice that their faith faced the wall. Notice that their faith marched. Notice that their faith kept their mouth closed as God instructed. Likewise, our experience in relationships presents walls and presents words. From these parallels of what we saw last series with the nation of Israel and in this series that we're starting dealing with relationships, let's establish briefly three points. The first point is the great architect is needed. The great architect is needed. Just like Israel needed the great architect in knowing how to deal with the walls that were built. Likewise, in relationships, the great architect is needed. I'm reminded of what the psalmist said in Psalm 127 and 1. It was a song of ascents as they went up to the temple of God. The great procession. It says of Solomon, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. This applies to you and I today. That unless the Lord builds our life, our life will be in vain. You and I, we need God. We need God, the great architect, to provide the necessary ingredients, the necessary materials to build our relationship with. Unless the Lord builds our marriages, our own self-effort is not sufficient. Unless the Lord builds our friendships, our self-effort is not sufficient. This is what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. It is a posture of humility. It is a posture of recognizing that we need the great architect. We need his design. We need his word. We need his wisdom. The great architect is needed. Why? Because he has designed those things. God is the one who has designed relationships. God is the one who has designed marriage. God is the one who has designed friendships. God is the one who has designed seasons of singleness. And because God has designed them, therefore we need God. We need Him as the architect of those things. We need His design. God has designed how marriages are to work. God has designed how relationships with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ are to work. 
God has designed how friendships and all relationships are to work. Therefore, the fear of the Lord, the, the posture Scripture calls us to, this posture of humility and dependence on God, the great architect, is a posture that says, God, I need you. I need you. And I need your design. So number one, the great architect is needed not only for Israel when they face the walls of Jericho, but the great architect is needed today for you and I when it comes to relationships, when it comes to marriage for those of us that are married, when it comes to raising children for those of us that have children, when it comes to dealing with uh, family relationships and sibling relationships. But secondly, God has grace for what you are willing to face. God has grace for what you are willing to face. See, biblical faith faces the walls. Biblical faith does not ignore the walls. Biblical faith is not denial. Biblical faith acknowledges the walls. And God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. See, my pride keeps me from facing things. Your pride will keep you from facing things. From facing walls built up in your life. From facing walls built up in your heart. From facing defenses that you have. Defense mechanisms that have been formed and built in your life. Whether from childhood or whether the teenage years or whether in the years later in life. Pride will keep you from facing wrong words that you speak. Pride will keep you from facing wrong words that you have spoken. But can I tell you the good news of the kingdom today? That God has more than enough grace for it all. You say, well, Pastor Chad, I'm not familiar with the concept or the term of the word grace. What is grace? Grace is God's ability provided to do what you and I and our own ability could never do. Israel and their own ability could never figure out that combination to unlock the design of the walls of Jericho so that they would fall flat. Some of you have been scratching your head, have been trying to figure out for decades and years how to unlock your heart from defense mechanisms, from walls that have been built up. And the good news is, is if you'll face the wall, you can be assured God has sufficient grace to deal with the wall. God has the ability, God has the combination, God has the means and the power and the method for every wall that you and I are willing to face. Athletes, if they get to a place in their performance where they begin to sort of hit the wall, they begin to become stagnant. Their performance reaches a place, and it could be a very strong place, but they feel like they're up against something. There's a barrier. But if they'll learn to face that barrier, if they'll learn not to be intimidated and try to ignore it, athletes find that on the other side of facing the wall, 
their performance can go to a new height. Can I tell you that your life can go to a new height today in Jesus' name? Can I tell you it doesn't matter how long the wall's been there, how long the defense has been there, how long you faced it in your marriage, in your relationships, that God has grace that is sufficient to deal with the walls. Hallelujah. The question for you and I today is will you face the wall? Will you face the wall? Israel faced the walls for those seven days and those seven times on the seventh day and God had sufficient grace for them. We're exhorted in the book of James and the New Testament scriptures to draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Oftentimes we come and we come to the gathering or we engage in community with brothers and sisters and we find ourselves in a false posture of humility a wrong understanding of what waiting on God is and we say well if God truly wanted to see these walls of defense or these walls that hinder me in my life be dealt with then he would come and deal with them but see God already came he already demonstrated the message of the kingdom by sending his son He already accomplished through the finished work of Jesus what needs to be accomplished so that now the language and the metaphors of the New Testament is no, 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 now you draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. God's looking to you and I today and saying, will you face the wall? Will you draw near to me? Because if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And when He draws near, He's coming with grace. His ability to deal with our walls. Hallelujah. He's coming with His sufficiency. He's coming with His power and His wisdom to unlock places in our heart and our soul, patterns of behavior and dysfunction that we've been locked in for season after season. When I think about how God has grace for what you and I are willing to face, I think about one of the stories regarding King Hezekiah. Maybe you're familiar with King Hezekiah. Maybe you're not, but in 2 Kings 20 and verse 1, it says, In those days the king Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, he went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Verse 2, notice Hezekiah's response. Then he turned his face toward the wall. And he complained. And he said, it's not fair. And he said, oh, you don't love me? No, 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 no. And he prayed. He, it doesn't say, and he turned his face to the wall and he got out his iPhone and he, he hid at the same time his seven friends in this circle. And called and said, oh, you'll never believe it. No, no, no. And he prayed to the Lord. He prayed to the one who has grace. He prayed to the one who has more compassion than any person we've ever met on the earth. He prayed to the one who sees all things and knows all things and yet is readily available to provide ability for you and I. Verse 3, saying, remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight and Hezekiah wept bitterly. This is the king 
men, yes, we're created to weep as well. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him again. Oh, hallelujah. Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. I thank God. God is a God of surely. Hallelujah. Seems like the old generation knew it because there was a lot of Shirley's that were named and born in our nation. And I haven't met too many Shirley's lately. But he says, surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add to your days 15 years. Woo! 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Watch this. And I will defend this city for my own sake. That sounds like unless the Lord guards the city, you labor in vain. The Lord said, I will heal you and I will guard the city for the sake of my servant David. Notice that King Hezekiah, he gets the news. And he turned and faced the wall. And he used his mouth to pray to the Lord. He used his mouth to turn to him who has all grace for all needs. I'm reminded of a story of Hezekiah, another prophet. The Lord comes to Hezekiah the prophet and says to him in Ezekiel 8 and verse 8, Then he, the Lord, said to me, Son of man, dig into that wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. Woo, man, ain't that good. Because who would ever think that if you start digging into a wall, that then there's a door in the wall. Normally you're looking for the door to go around the wall. And God's saying, no prophet, I want you to start digging into the wall. And when he started digging into the wall, a door opened. What's this saying? It's saying when you dig in and begin to face the wall, God has grace to reveal there's a door that's been provided in Jesus. That there's an opportunity in Jesus if you'll dig into the wall. If you'll dig in, why do I get defensive? Why do I throw up the wall when I face certain circumstances? Why in some type of relationships do I see, seem walled off? If you'll dig into it, you'll find that God's got a door of opportunity there. And that door of opportunity is a door for His grace to boom hit our life. His ability to come, His wisdom to come, His power unto deliverance and salvation to come. I think about what Dr. Henry Cloud said. Growth is when you take the new things that you dig up and discover and then integrate them with the rest of who you already are. Face it. Dig into it. Because God has grace for it. Watch a door be open for grace to flow in that area of your life. So number one, the great architect is needed. Number two, God has grace for what you are willing to face. And then thirdly, by relational trust in Jesus, walls come down and words begin to breathe life. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus, our ability to trust Him increases and our walls come down. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus, our ability to trust Him in our relationships with other people increases and walls come down. 
As we grow in our relationship with Jesus, our ability to trust and the ability of His Word increases. And therefore our words begin to breathe life into dry and dead situations. Walls of defense, walls of isolation come down as we grow in our ability to trust Jesus. See, oftentimes in Western Christianity we think about when we hear, do we have faith in Jesus or do you trust Jesus? We just automatically take those phrases and try to seal and lock them in to the moment we confess Jesus is Lord. No, no, no. Apostolic, biblical faith is a way of life. It started when you confessed Him as Lord. But we got to grow in learning to relate to Him as Lord in every area of our life. And as we continue to grow in relating to Jesus and trust Him more and more, walls begin to come down. Walls begin to come down. Walls begin to come down. And when walls come down, you experience more and more of the freedom God declared you had the moment you became His child. And freedom is what we need to walk in because that's what the world can't offer. The world claims freedom and they go and get what the world is saying will make you free and it just leads to more walls. It leads to more bondages. It leads to being bound and hindered in more and more. You remember Uzziah? He trusted in the Lord and 2 Chronicles 26 and 6 says, Now he, Uzziah, went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jebne, and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. He's the one where the scripture said about him, as long as he sought the Lord, he had success. As long as you keep seeking the Lord and relating and growing in your ability to trust Him, then you will receive His grace and ability to go out and tear down some walls. To see more walls come down in your life. He went out with His trust in the Lord and He broke down the walls. And notice it wasn't just one wall. I wish, I wish that when God first led me to that first wall, in my life of, of following Jesus, that, that major area of needed transformation, that that was the only wall that I found was faced. But the reason why I stand before you confident, not in myself, but in the ability of God that He has grace for a wall, is because His grace has shown me that He don't just have grace for one wall in my life, but wall after wall after wall His grace has been sufficient for. And I just want to tell some walls today too that the same grace that dealt with walls in the past can overcome the walls I face today. And the amazing thing about it is, is there's areas in our life and areas we face in life and seasons in life that we're not aware of way back then. And that's why you got to keep following Jesus. We don't know all the areas we need to be transformed. We don't need all, know all the areas where we're going to need His grace, but we keep following Him. But as you keep following Him and our trust in Him grows, we begin to say, well, He's got grace for this wall as well. He's got grace for this season as well. He's got grace for this issue as well. He broke down the walls. And as our ability to trust Jesus increases, the type of words we breathe begin to change. 
that we begin to use the breath God gave us and we begin to breathe back with that breath words of life. Words that line up with the God whose grace is sufficient. The God who is not intimidated by the walls you and I face. And this is why in Ephesians 4 and 29, Paul the Apostle, the sent one, says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. As our walls come down because we grow in our trust with Jesus, then our words begin to bring life to others, begin to impart grace, begin to impart a confidence to others that, listen, God has grace for your walls as well. Begins to encourage. Begins to edify. The spirit of wisdom in Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Perverseness is not just sexual immorality and perver perversion. Perverseness means when something is being used from the, for the unintended purpose of it. It would be like you taking the chair you're sitting in and strapping it to your back and just walking around each day with the, that chair strapped to your back. Now, unless you're raising funds for the new building, I don't know why you'd want to do that. That's not the purpose of the chair. And God gave us a tongue so that our tongue can begin to breathe back into situations the breath of His Word that He has given us. And the more we grow in relational trust, the more we learn to not speak just what we feel and speak just what we say, but we begin to use our tongue to speak what God has already said. We begin to speak what God has declared about it, what God has said about it. So the great architect is needed. God has grace for what you are willing to face. And by relational trust in Jesus, walls come down. And words begin to breathe life. Let's continue to look at the issue of facing the wall. The first thing that I want to now look at when it comes to facing the wall is understanding that where there are walls, things get built on the walls. Where there are walls, things get built upon them. You remember in Joshua 2.15 about Rahab? It says, then she let them down by a rope through the window. Watch this. For her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. Rahab was a prostitute. For Rahab, her house of harlotry was built upon the wall. Likewise, it is upon our walls that dysfunctions are built. Notice Rahab's dysfunction was built upon the wall. It's the same for you and I. That the dysfunctions and the wrong habits and the, the wrong cycles of bondages are built upon walls in our life. See, walls get built in our lives due to the effects of sin upon us. Whether it's from our own choices, whether it's from our own sins, or whether it's from the wrongs and sins of others against us that imprint something 
upon us. But walls, things get built upon them. Dysfunctions get built upon walls. And that's what foundation phase and transformation phase and the divine design for discipleship are concerned with. It's concerned with addressing the walls and what God has accomplished for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, in dealing with those walls. In fact, if you're new, if, uh, if you're visiting today, or if this is your second or third week, or our next growth phases is April 14th, right here in this facility. I would make a note and purpose in my heart and mind to be a part of it. But things, dysfunctions, negative habits, negative patterns get built upon walls in our life. And this brings us back to our main text, Isaiah 49 and 14. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed on the palms of my hands. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Notice what the Lord says to Zion. Zion was the city of God, of the people of God, the people in covenant with God. And the people there within the city was going through Context and circumstances that made them vulnerable to utter and say, The Lord has forgotten us. He's forgotten us. He's, he's, he's no longer awake guarding the city. He's no longer thinking about us. And the Lord says, No, 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 I've not forgotten you. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Maybe. But surely I cannot forget you. For I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Jesus, his palms, his hands were pierced. And he gave of his life and his blood was shed. So that God could redeem you. So God could bring you back to him. So he could be not just a creator to you, but he could be a perfect father to you. That you would be able to come under the shadow of His wings and the protection of His canopy of grace and covenant. And then He says, your walls, Sion, are continually before me. Can I tell you today that your walls are continually before the Lord? That God is aware of every hurt. He's aware of everything that's ever happened to you. He's aware of what you have brought upon yourself. He's aware of what's been done to you. He's aware of the walls that have been built up on the inside of you because the life that you've experienced. And He's aware of dysfunctions and defense mechanisms and wrong habits and patterns that are built upon the walls. And yet He has compassion towards you. He has compassion towards you. See, oftentimes we don't have compassion for ourselves because we don't have all the information. All we have is the current information that seems to scream in our life, you're a consistent failure. You're consistently defeated. Oh, that series last month, Overcomer, yeah, everybody else, maybe, you, not a chance. But your walls 
are consistently, continually before the great architect. And he doesn't just see them, he knows why they were built. And he has compassion for you. He knows the variables. He remembers the things that you have suppressed and pushed so far into your subconscious that you're not even cognizant and aware of what was done to you, what was said about you, what you brought upon yourself years and years ago. But the great architect is aware. And he has compassion for you. He hasn't forsaken you, friend. He hasn't forgotten you. And he has grace for what you are willing to face in your life that has been built upon such walls. But you and I, we're exhorted that we must acknowledge the walls that are continually before the Lord. That we need to acknowledge that our walls, whether we're aware of our walls or not aware of our walls, that they're continually before the Lord. Because see, listen, when we confess that, when we acknowledge that, that's an aspect of worshiping God in truth. And Jesus says about the Father that He's looking for those who will serve and worship Him. Not just in spirit, but also in truth. And part of worshiping God in truth is acknowledging that our walls are ever continually before Him. So there are walls that dysfunctions get built upon. There are also, secondly, walls to keep you in prison. These walls to keep you in prison come from the enemy of your life, the enemy of your soul, Satan, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of his demons, those who have rebelled against God's purpose and assignment for them, fallen angels. The devil seeks to construct and put walls up before you to keep you imprisoned, to keep you held back, to keep you not walking forward in the spacious places of God that he has for you. There are walls that the devil's consistently trying to construct in front of your path to make you become intimidated and no longer want to move forward and what God has for you. See, the enemy desires to use such walls not just to intimidate you, but also to lead you to speaking the wrong words. He's trying to construct walls that seek to cloud your vision, cloud your trust and the things that God has prophesied and declared about your future. Walls that seek to intimidate you that you can't move forward or you're not able or not competent enough. And he wants you to begin to speak words of limitation over your life. That I'm not good enough. That I can't do it. That God can't use me. Walls that we begin to speak words of doubt that try to confine us in. Words of defeat. Words that go against the words of God to you and about you and for you. Words that keep you in the wilderness. Words that keep you in the dry places. Words that keep you in the testing places of God. Words that keep you in the training places of God. But I'm reminded of David, the king, the psalmist, who in Psalm 18, 29 said, For by you I, David, can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. 
Oh, hallelujah. David got to the place that he understood that by God he could leap over the walls, the walls that the enemy would try to construct in his path to intimidate him, to try to try to get him to limit himself, to limit his belief of how God could use him, how fruit could come out of his life. We must acknowledge that by my God I can leap over the walls that the enemy would try to construct to hinder me, to limit me, to cloud my vision. We must confess that by God's grace and ability we can leap over walls seeking to hinder us. This is worshiping God by grace as well. The Bible says Jesus came and He was full of grace and truth. He was full of truth and grace. The truth is acknowledging that our walls are always continually before the Lord. But worshiping God in grace is also when walls come in front of us or walls are presented by the enemy that we speak to the walls that by God's grace I can leap over it. By God's grace I can move forward it. That God has plans for me and His plans are that I would prosper in His will for me. Truth and grace. So we must acknowledge that our walls are ever before God. We must confess that by God's grace and ability we can leap over walls intended to imprison. And now let us look thirdly at walls of protection. Walls of protection. These refer to the gracious boundaries of God. These are walls that God wants to be built in our life to protect and guard us from more hurt, more sorrow, more unnecessary pain. The Spirit of Wisdom says in Proverbs 25 and 28, whoever has no rule over his or her own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Without the boundaries of God's Word, without the boundaries of the great architect, we're like a person who's going through life without no walls of protection. And we can just get beat down and we can continually be oppressed because we have not the boundaries of God that are intended to protect us. The Word of God that's intended to serve and help us stay in a context to prosper in God's will for our life. I think about Nehemiah 4 and verse 6. God had sent back leaders that He had ignited their heart and a group of people to build back the city of God and the temple of God and the work of God. And it says in Nehemiah 4, 6, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Watch this. For the people had a mind to work. These type of walls of protection I'm talking about, you have to get a mind to work. To work on building the walls of protection instructed and given by God the great architect. You got to get out of passivity. These walls, listen to me, Pastor Chad, Pastor Craig, a brother, a sister, in the Lord can't build for you. These are walls that you got to build for yourself as you trust God. These are walls of protection. You got to get a mind to work. This is intentionality. This is a willing and decisive mind to get to work on the issue of walls. 
God's Word provides the necessary instructions and tools to build walls that protect us. God's Word provides the necessary instruction and tools to build walls in our relationships. Without God's boundaries, without God's Word building walls in our relationships, our relationships will be unable to withstand all that the world, the devil, and the enemy would try to bring against it. God, through His work in Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is to become the stronghold of our life. This is unless the Lord builds the house, labor in vain. The way we allow the Lord to build walls of protection in our life is to begin to receive and learn and accept His words, the words of the great architect, the words that explain His design and begin to declare and trust and believe in His words and, and, and trust and obey His words to build these walls of protection in our life. Walls of protection in our relationships. Walls of protection in training our children and in our marriage and in our friendships and in our community of loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. God's Word can build walls of protection for our thoughts. God's Word can build walls of protection for our heart. God's Word can build walls of protection for your finances. God's Word can build walls of protection around your desires and your relationships and our words. I think about the book Boundaries by Dr. Cloud and Townsend. They're getting close to selling as many that my books have sold. They're out about the three million, four million mark. Wouldn't that be nice? I assure you, if that was done, we wouldn't be raising money. <laughs> but if you've not read this book, I strongly encourage you because it's breaking down a, a professional Jesus counselor, breaking down how through God's word. Through God's wisdom, He builds boundaries intended to protect us, to serve us as we move forward in His plan for His life. You say, well, what else are you holding? Oh, I'm holding every book they write about boundaries. I encourage you to read them all. Here's beyond boundaries. Here's boundaries face to face. Here's boundaries for leaders. As followers of Jesus, we're learners. And part of learning is how to trust in Jesus and His Word to build these walls of protection. So when we think about walls, we've got to understand that things get built upon walls. Things get built upon our hurts and, and defense mechanisms. Our negative habits and patterns of dysfunction get built upon such walls. Then the enemy seeks to put walls in front of your vision, walls in front of your path to hinder you, to get you speaking doubt about how in Christ you're capable and able to leap over, to move forward in the plan of God. Then there's the walls of protection, the boundaries of God, healthy walls. Then lastly, I want to speak about sought for a person. Come on, man. Sought for a person. As they come, I just want to tell whether you're here today or whether you're listening or watching a live stream that there's people here that have been searching and seeking for a person. 
You've been searching and seeking for a person to remove the walls in your life. You've been, some of you, searching for a person to get you over the walls that the enemy have constructed and built in front of you. Some of you have been searching for a person to help you to build the walls, walls of protection, to build the defenses of God in your life, the boundaries of God. Can I tell you that God understands your search? Can I understand that God understands the search you've been on because God sought for a person? In Ezekiel 22 and verse 30 it says, So I, God, sought for a man among them who would make a wall, stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Here God demonstrates what we have been talking about. God acknowledges the truth. God acknowledges the reality. God faces the wall in a sense. He faces the reality that He sought for a person on the earth that would stand in the gap before Him. That would be capable and sufficient to stand in the gap. To hold back destruction. God's good pleasure and kingdom and will would prevail, but He did not find one. The amazing thing about our God is that God, through Jesus, is well, well experienced in the infirmities and the temptations and the sorrow and the issue of walls and relationships that you and I face. We don't serve a God that our accusations can last long in His presence. Because God drew near through the person of His Son, Jesus. He's well acquainted of what living on this earth is like. He's well acquainted with the issue that come regarding relationships and walls. just like you've been seeking for that person. Be reminded of Isaiah 49, 14. The Lord's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten you in your search. He's not forgotten you on your journey. He's not forgotten you in your feeling of emptiness, abandonment, alienation, aloneness. For He's inscribed you on the palms of His hands. Your walls are continually before Him. God, once He acknowledged the truth that He found none, He then demonstrated grace. He provided one. Because unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So the Lord said, I'm going to come and I'm going to build the wall. I'm going to come and I'm going to fill the gap. I'm going to come and provide grace to do what on the earth and mankind don't have the ability to do. He provided Jesus, Yeshua, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the glorious one. In Ephesians 2, 14, it says, For He, Jesus Himself, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. He came and preached peace to you who were far, far off and to those who were near. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Where walls, negative walls have been built, God didn't come and He didn't take a side. Oftentimes when it comes to relationships where walls have been built, we're wanting God to pick a side. We're wanting God to take a side. What side are you on the wall, God? What side of the fence are you on, God? It's like when Joshua was going to Jericho and the Lord stands right in front of him. The commander of the Lord's army. Joshua said, whose side are you on? You on our side? Or Jericho's side? He said, you don't understand. God don't pick sides. He sent His Son to tear down every wall that creates sides. Walls between Jews and Gentiles. Walls between black and white, brown. Walls between Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians. And anarchists. Jesus Himself, God manifested in the flesh, breaks down the concepts of walls, concepts of enmity. He says, if you'll look to the one God's provided Jesus, He unifies. He does what we, through our own building, our own efforts, could never do. He can unify relationships and marriages and people and nation groups and that in our own ability could never be unified. There's something about that name and something about the blood of Jesus that tears down walls that create enmity, walls that create strife, walls that create the wrong types, distance and boundaries between people. And what I've learned by the Spirit of God is that for those type of walls and relationships to begin to come down, I have to first start aligning my mouth with what the Word of God says. That God's already came down regarding the issue. I'm facing the issue. You're facing the issue. We're facing. And Jesus didn't take sides. Jesus absolutely demolish that concept and worldview and in Jesus God is uniting again humanity with the dance of the Trinity with the communion of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and He's inviting us to get swept up in a greater way a greater kingdom 
a greater experience. Causing two to become one. Causing disunity to become unity. Turning enmity into peace. As we look to the person and the plan and the provision of God's truth and grace in Jesus. And that's why all month in January we've been highlighting things connected to the mouth. All night prayer. That we would turn to the wall. We would face the wall and we would learn to pray before we complain. We we would learn to, like they did at Jericho, be silent until we're ready to praise the God, the great architect who knows how to cause walls to fall. That we would spend time in Scripture so that we would take in the breath of God so that when we breathe out, it would be the promises of God and the words of God about our situation and our relationships. A seven-day fast where our mouth would abstain from food and drink for a godly purpose. That we would still gather together and we would give God the sacrifice of praise. God and Jesus breaks down the walls and He becomes the builder. He becomes the stronghold. He becomes the bond. He becomes the glue that holds relationships together. I don't believe true Christianity is about a hand of man or a hand of woman or the hand of anyone holding a church together. I don't believe that God's true design for marriage is about any man, any woman ultimately through their own hand holding it together. I don't believe the design of God for relationships is ultimately about a man or a woman or a man and a man in in friendship in their own competency and ability holding it together. I believe God's plan is that He became the man in Jesus. That as we look to Jesus, there's something in the beautiful name of Jesus. There's something powerful in the beautiful blood of Jesus that can unite us in a way that our own ability, we can never unite ourselves. And I'm exhorting us today to look to that one, to Jesus that filled the gap that was between your Creator and you. To Jesus, who broke down walls and became the gap to unify and to unite. Because I know that when it comes to the details, when it comes to the practicality, we'll never understand what is the needed practical application and outworking unless we're looking clearly to Jesus. Unless we're holding fast to what God has declared about the blood of Jesus and how He makes peace. That the Word of God made flesh is the Word, yes and amen, to you and I. Will you face the wall today? Will you face the wall today and allow the Holy Spirit to get you to a place where you'll still confess as you face the wall that He's got grace? or the wall that you're willing to face.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.